Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Hello and welcome, I'm Rob Lilly and this is the Witch Shorts Podcast. As you might know by now, in this new podcast from us here at Witch, we're bringing you the very best articles from across witch.co.uk and our suite of magazines. Now we know you're busy, so with Witch Shorts we're giving you the chance to listen to our insightful journalism wherever you might be, whether that's at home or on the move. Which is the UK's consumer champion, and with the help of our team of experts, we bring you the very best advice, not only to help inform your buying choices, but also to help you live better and get more for your money. This is our fourth episode, and if you like what you've heard so far, then please do remember to subscribe so you don't miss the next one, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a review and a rating too, wherever you're listening. This week, with the sharp fall in the value of cryptocurrencies dominating the news and new coins being conceived at pace, we look to demystify the world of digital currency. To read us this article, written by James O'Malley, I'll hand you over to the host of the Witch Money podcast, Lucia Ariano. Listen to anyone from Silicon Valley for long enough and with some inevitability, they will start talking about crypto, short for cryptocurrency. It's one of the most exciting and controversial innovations to emerge over the past few years. And today it's serious business. Before recent falls, the entire crypto market was estimated to be worth around 2.4 trillion, a figure that has now been brought into question. So you could be forgiven for asking, what's all the fuss about? It's best to start with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a digital currency that can, in theory, be used exactly like the pound sterling in your wallet. You can buy things with it or you can hold on to it and hope that it increases in value over time. What makes it different to traditional currency, however, is that there's no equivalent of a Bitcoin Bank of England or Chancellor of the Exchequer who can exercise control over the currency. Bitcoin is only as valuable as people collectively believe it to be. Similarly, there's no central database of transactions or a single internet server with a record of who owns what. Ultimately, there's no one in charge. Instead, Bitcoin information is stored using a distributed ledger. All of the transaction data is stored multiple times on thousands of computers around the world, which collectively form what is known as a blockchain. The rules behind it are the real genius at the heart of crypto, because no one is in charge, no one can take control of it. The ledger of transactions is stored by lots of different people. For example, imagine if you were to give me £10. But then I lied and said you only gave me five. In a traditional financial system, to resolve our dispute, you could ask the bank to check its records and you would have to rely on its authority. But crypto instead relies on multiple witnesses, everyone with a copy of the transaction on their computers. Our transaction would have been witnessed by many others. And if you wanted to prove it, the other witnesses could compare notes and prove that I'm lying. 
This note comparing is integral to how Bitcoin works, and every transaction that takes place is verified, with multiple computers on the network comparing notes. However, it's also a computationally intensive task, so to make it happen, Bitcoin has been designed with an incentive. If you're willing to leave the Bitcoin software running on your computer, chugging through everyone's transactions, you might be rewarded with newly created Bitcoins you can keep for yourself. It's a process known as mining, and it's now big business in itself. There are now thousands of buildings around the world stuffed full of servers that are all dedicated to mining. Unfortunately, this is just the tip of the jargon iceberg. As comedian John Oliver joked, Bitcoin is everything you don't understand about money, combined with everything you don't understand about computers. This is the idea behind all crypto, a mechanism for storing immutable, accurate information digitally, with no need for a central authority or central computer. It's a powerful new idea in computing and economics. Now we just need to wait for someone to figure out what to use it for. Awkwardly, despite the hype and the amount of money invested in the technology, crypto is very much still a solution in search of a problem. So what might it actually be used for in the future? If the pandemic has taught us anything, for better or for worse, the worse is increasingly cashless. So having a system of digital money that exists independently of any one financial institution or organisation could make payments more reliable and secure. And it would be good news for privacy. Do we really need banks and governments snooping on our every transaction? For the super rich, art isn't just nice to look at, it's an investment too. And some entrepreneurs think that blockchains could do the same for digital art. This idea has led to the creation of non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. They're unique tokens based on a digital file such as a picture, the ownership details of which are stored on a blockchain. It means that in a world of abundance like the internet, where everything can be copied and pasted, it's possible to create and protect something in limited supply. It undoubtedly sounds a bit silly. But Christie's Auction House has already sold one NFT artwork by the artist Beeple for 69.3 million. So someone must think it's a good idea. Blockchains might not just be for financial matters. Having an immutable source of truth, to use the jargon, has other legal and social uses too. For example, it could prove the provenance of almost anything that can be stored digitally. This could be copyright information to prove who really owns a photograph when it's being rapidly shared without correct attribution, for example. And it could even be used in the fight against fake news. Imagine a dispute about whether a photo of a politician in a compromising position is real or not. If the photo was reputably added to a blockchain, it would be indisputable proof as it would be impossible to have edited it after the fact. So maybe one of our most 21st century problems could have a 21st century solution too. A major feature of crypto is that it's almost completely anonymous. This is great news for privacy advocates, but this also carries a cost. According to Chain Analysis, 0.3% of all crypto transactions in 2020 were linked to illicit activity, because an anonymous currency is really useful if you're planning to commit crime. 
On the so-called dark web, the name given to areas of the internet inaccessible to traditional browsers, it's possible to use crypto to buy all manner of illegal goods, from drugs and hacked data to guns. You can even pay for a hitman using Bitcoin. In fact, so convenient are crypto payments that during the early part of the last decade, a dark website called Silk Road emerged as essentially eBay for illicit goods. All transactions were in Bitcoin, and the site even developed a third-party payment system where Silk Road would hold your money and not hand it to the seller until you had received your brown envelope full of goodness knows what. Needless to say, the site was eventually shut down by the FBI and Europol, but many similar sites still exist. When countries misbehave, one of the most common responses is for other countries to impose economic sanctions. This might involve, for example, preventing money being sent and received and freezing bank accounts. But as we know, nobody controls Bitcoin. So since the technology emerged, several enterprising rogue regimes have used crypto to get around sanctions. For example, according to analysis firm Elliptic, Iran is responsible for around 4.5% of all Bitcoin mining. Similarly, North Korea is suspected as being the perpetrators of the WannaCry attack, which we'll get onto later. And in Syria, it has been reported that ISIS and Al-Qaeda-affiliated groups are also using cryptocurrencies to finance their activities. In May 2017, 70,000 NHS PCs and thousands more computers around the world were disabled by a rapidly spreading virus that exploited a bug in the Windows XP operating system. The WannaCry attack, as it became known, locked users out of their machines and would only unlock if the user made a payment of between $300 and $600. How was the payment collected by the criminals? Bitcoin, of course. Despite the disruption, luckily a fix was quickly found as an enterprising developer discovered a kill switch, but it could have been much worse and much more costly. Arguably the most high-profile supporter of crypto is Elon Musk, the chief executive of electric car company Tesla and one of the richest men in the world. Last year, he put his company's money where his mouth is by investing more than one billion of Tesla's reserves in Bitcoin. It was a somewhat ironic investment, given that one of the major criticisms of crypto is that the mining process requires huge amounts of electricity to power the computers processing the data. The exact amount of energy used by Bitcoin is hard to quantify, but one estimate from scientists at Cambridge University puts the energy use at around 108.95 terawatt hours a year. So all of the computers around the world crunching numbers to generate new Bitcoins are using about as much electricity as the Netherlands does each year. It's only an estimate though, as a number of factors are involved. For example, miners know the price of electricity and the price of Bitcoin, so they can schedule their mining computers to only work when it would be profitable to do so. There have even been documented cases of miners stealing electricity from the grid. Similarly, there could also be variation in how the electricity that powers the mining computers is generated. If the power comes from wind farms or solar arrays, the environmental impact wouldn't be as bad as when it comes from burning coal. However, most Bitcoin mining still takes place in China and other developing countries, where the energy mix is much less green.
And finally, an argument made for the most evangelical crypto enthusiasts is that crypto mining could actually help the environment. For example, a company called SolarCoin has created its own coin that it will issue to anyone who produces solar energy to add to an incentive to generate green electricity. Whether the idea will take off remains to be seen, though. At the time of writing, a single solar coin issued for generating one megawatt hour of solar power is worth about half a US cent. The crypto gold rush is attracting the attention of the biggest players in tech and many governments, including the UK, are also looking at making their own national cryptocurrencies, which will be controlled by a central bank. At the end of last year, Facebook partnered with Coinbase and launched its first public foray into crypto by trialing a wallet app called Novi. Facebook's bet is that it can use blockchain technology to make money transfers faster and more cheaply than traditional remittance methods, without the need to charge fees as traditional international wire transfer services do. The Novi website also promises instantaneous transfers. In a twist though, despite the new app using blockchain technology to make the transfers, Facebook isn't entirely embracing the full freewheeling crypto ethos. The underlying cryptocurrency that the app will use to make transfers is a so-called stablecoin that has been pegged to the US dollar, meaning that it's supposed to be insulated from the whims of the market. However, one such stablecoin example, Terra USD, still managed to have a huge crash recently. Facebook also insists that every customer provides a government-issued ID to prove their identity. However, this is just the start of Facebook's crypto ambitions. Back in 2017, in a blaze of PR, it announced plans to create its own entire cryptocurrency called Libra, and in a founding document boasted of partnerships with the likes of Visa, Mastercard and ride-sharing app Uber. The announcement was met with fierce resistance from the European and American financial regulators, and the controversy led to many of Libra's big partners pulling out of the project. However, Facebook has not given up on this dream entirely. Last year, it renamed the currency DM and is still planning on launching something bigger. So now you know how it works. Are you tempted to invest? Getting started with crypto can be just as easy as setting up a bank account. However, cryptocurrencies are unlikely to be suitable for most regular investors due to their extreme volatility. Traditional investments such as stocks and shares can still provide considerable returns while benefiting from more regulation. Remember to be careful. Investing in crypto is exactly like investing in traditional financial instruments, but without any of the protections you get from traditional banking. But if you're still curious, at the very least, look for a firm that signed up to the Financial Conduct Authority Temporary Registration Scheme. The easiest way to actually buy and hold cryptocurrency is by signing up with the Cryptocurrency Exchange. Two of the largest are Coinbase and CoinCorner both of which are user-friendly and collect know-your-customer information like a traditional bank, meaning that you'll need to supply a scan of your passport to sign up. Once you have an account, you can then buy cryptocurrency with a normal credit or debit card, even in extremely small amounts to buy a tiny fraction of a single Bitcoin. There are countless other purchasing options too, but remember, not all crypto exchanges are created equal, as the market is largely unregulated. For more on investing in cryptocurrencies, see witch.co.uk forward slash crypto dash invest. 
Thank you to Lucia and thank you to James O'Malley, the journalist behind that original piece of writing. Remember, you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week with another episode of Witch Shorts. And thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker. Thank you.